And uh, I'm going to minister on two entirely different subjects this morning, both having to do with marriage. And so uh, you're here. Hopefully you'll stick around. And uh, I'm going to uh, preach uh, in the second seminar on the subject of divorce. And so, um, uh, so I'm going to encourage you to stay for that. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look there in the Word of God. And um, I'm going to minister on, uh, I was praying about what to do. This was the one that I was really struggling with this seminar. I, uh, I knew uh, that I was going to preach on sex and divorce. Uh, this is the one. I had a number of different areas. I'm presently teaching a marriage class in my church, as I said last night, and and I want to do one of the things that I'm uh, ministering there and um, trying to figure out which one to do. And so um, I believe this will help us and that some of you here will be able to identify uh, with the subject. Uh, I picked up this little thing, and maybe you've heard this, but it says, what it says is a businessman who was previously a sailor was very aware that a ships are addressed as she or her. As a result, he often wondered what the gender computer should be referred to as. And so what he did is he asked a group of women, and then he asked a group of men, and each group was asked to recommend whether a computer should be referred to in the feminine gender or the masculine gender. And they were asked to give four reasons for their recommendation. The group of women said that computers should be referred to in the masculine gender because in order to get their attention, you have to turn them on. <laughs> Number two, they have a lot of data but are still unable to deliver it. <laughs> They're supposed to help you solve problems, but half the time they are the problem. And uh, the fourth reason women gave why computers should be called men is because as soon as you commit to one, you realize that if you had waited a little longer, you could have had a better model. <laughs> it would perform more efficiently and cause fewer problems. So then he asked a group of men, and they concluded that uh, computers are, uh, should be referred to in a feminine gender because, number one, no one but the Creator understands their internal logic. The native language they use to communicate with other computers is incomprehensible to everyone else. This one's a pretty good one. Number three, even your smallest mistakes are stored in long-term memory for, <laughs> for later retrieval and use. And number four, as soon as you make a commitment to one, you find yourself spending half your paycheck on accessories. That really has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on, but I just thought I'd share that with you. Amen. There's a new program that has taken the nation by storm on television. I haven't seen it, but there's a great deal being written about it, and it's called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And this program has uh, become so popular that it comes on three or four nights during the week. There are numerous copycats from the other networks. And so I was hearing that Fox Television is going to, this is true, is going to come out with a new, uh, a, a new uh, uh, program, and it's called Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire? And this is going to be comprised of 100 women who are going to go through a, a number of months of, 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 you know, through different programs, and at the end they get to marry some millionaire. And it's the, it's the profaning of marriage is what it is, but, you know, the idea that you can meet a total stranger and because of the foundation of money, you're going to have a great relationship is absolutely insane. 
If you ever are looking for a good time, you ever just want to just have a good laugh, don't go to the funnies. Go to the personal ads. You ever read these personal ads? You know, uh, you know, handsome, thirty-something professional, fit, loves children, uh, loves taking long walks on the beach. Uh, you know that looking. You know, how many know if that was true, that boy wouldn't be single. Amen. <laughs> and he wouldn't be spending money in a personal ad. And so the problem with people many times is they don't understand what is truly involved when it comes to relationships. And so I'm going to take a few minutes this morning. I want to preach a sermon on fighting. And I want to talk to you about fighting in your marriage, amen, for the handful of you that still argue, and, uh, and I, a sermon that I call Fight Fair, and I want to preach on fights in the marriage and uh, how you deal with them. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we'll begin in verse 25, and uh, a narrow little area here once again, and you don't have, I could say how many of you have ever had a fight with your wife, but I'm not going to. And it says, verse 25, Therefore, put away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. <coughs> do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Father, I pray for the grace of God. Help us in these seminars this morning. In Jesus' name. I want to begin and talk to you about the certainty in every marriage. Every marriage has certain things in common. That is why you can get couples together and they begin to talk about certain aspects of marriage uh, and everybody has a knowing smile or a knowing look. You know, when we do our uh, marriage seminars in San Antonio, we do our retreats every other year and we do them kind of like you all do. We don't have as nice a place to do them, but we, we have a dinner at night and it's kind of a formal thing. People get dressed up for it and it's a big night and one of the things we do is we... Uh, uh, you know, have some sort of entertainment, uh, uh, you know, just to kind of uh, relax people. And uh, one year what we did is we let couples stand up and just simply talk about how they met and tell their story. And it's funny to hear these people's story uh, and how they met because, uh, because every couple here has a story. Every couple here can talk about how they met each other. And there's a, this is something that everybody has in common, the idea of falling in love and making a commitment and pursuing somebody and somebody finally giving in. We could talk about maybe the birth of a child and uh, many couples here could talk about what happened the first time uh, 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 their wife became pregnant or a child was born. But there's another area that is common to every couple and that is fighting. Nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody wants to say anything. Okay, you might not like the word fighting. Okay, we'll use disagreement or discussion or conversation or debate but the reality is that conflict in a marriage is a shared experience everybody does it amen I don't care if you're gonna give me those vibes like I don't everybody fights now they fight to different levels and different degrees you have your uh, uh, slam the door and peel the car out of the driveway fighters you know what I mean they they get in a fight and they get mad and he slams the door and drives around the block and then instead of just going off he drives around the block slows down revs it up and then and then he just does it again and so you have those kinds of fighters then you have the silent treatment 
I have no doubt here in a group this size, yay, even in Prescott, there are people that you get mad, uh, and I mean, and you give, you give them the silent treatment, I'm talking about for days. You get mad, and once you have a fight, you know, and there's your poor kid, you know, your breakfast, uh, to ask your father if he wants some coffee. <laughs> Dad, you want a coffee? Tell your mother I want cream. Mom, did you get that? You know, and, uh, and uh, people fight at different levels, uh, but the fact is that people fight. It goes beyond that, doesn't it? Tragically, you have people that there's deep verbal and physical abuse involved in their marriage and their relationships. I had a, one of our pastors call me a while back because he was dealing with a situation where he had a man that would come to church, you know, and, uh, and he was a good guy, you know, praise God, sing, fellowship with people, uh, you know, had a certain d dynamic to him. And come to find out, though, when this guy got home behind uh, closed doors, he was an abusive man who could not handle the simplest conflict with his wife without it becoming physical. And yet, when it came to church, get dressed up, go to church, lift his hands, talk, do everything. But yet, this man had no ability to handle conflict in his marriage, in his relationships, and he became a wife beater. Now, there are reasons that people fight. Amen. Amen. I have a hard time believing people that say they never fight. And maybe there's people here that you have been glorified to that level. And, uh, you know, you know, Pastor, you know, we just turn to Jesus. You know, and, uh, and, and that's great, but for the rest of you, that's not really what's happening. Usually, what we call not fighting is peace with tyranny. Usually, what couples reach a level, if they're not careful, is simply one dominates the other so bad that the other one gives into their every whim, and that's what they call not fighting. This isn't uh, the real thing. Listen to the testimony of this man. They asked this man, they, he'd been married 50 years, the secret of his marital bliss. Well, drawled the old man, the wife and I had an agreement when we first got married. The agreement was that when she was bothered about something, she would just, she would just tell me off and get it out of her system. And if I was mad at something, I was to take a walk. I suppose you can attribute our marital success to the fact that I have predominantly lived an outdoor life. Rodney Dangerville said this. He said, we sleep in separate rooms. We have dinner apart. We take separate vacations. We're doing everything to keep our marriage together. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you talk to couples, you know, when you counsel them before they get married. And, you know, I have a list of things you go through. Number one, have you fornicated, you know, and then you go down from there and money and issues. And one of the questions on the list is tell me about your fights. And it's always funny because, you know, couples, Pastor, we love each other. We don't fight. It's like, come back in six months until you've had a good one, and then we'll talk about marriage. Because people fight. Okay, three reasons really quickly. I'm going to just touch on them. Number one, I do believe that Satan does put his hand in marriage. How many believe the devil is the sower of discord among brethren? And I, that tells me he's also the sower of discord among marriages. And you understand that marriage is a strong instrument of dominion and bad marriage is an instrument of bondage. I quoted you 1 Corinthians 7, 5 last night, how he, the devil tries to access a marriage. 1 Timothy 4, 1 says that one of the doctrines of devils is forbidding to marry. The devil hates marriage. Marriage is God's instrument of dominion. God doesn't call men. He calls couples. 
And this is important to understand. Uh, and I believe that oftentimes the devil will incite marriage problems uh, and at strategic times. This is why some of y'all fight right before church or right after church. I believe the devil wants couples to be bound in fighting because when you have a troubled marriage and you're fighting all the time, it effectively neutralizes your witness. And so if this is true, then I believe the devil does so discord in a marriage and he works on a marriage and oftentimes couples are fighting each other when they ought to recognize that there is a, is a spiritual power that is work uh, to destroy your marriage. I just touched on that very quickly. Number two, the past. You bring baggage into your marriage. People don't understand this. You know, what you are before you were married uh, is brought into your marriage. Traumas, things like that uh, can get a hold of you and you can have a spirit of rejection on a person's life and they get married and it begins to sabotage their marriage. You know, you, you, people that are bound by rejection, that simply means that they were rejected in life. Children of divorce struggle with this, don't they? Not only children of divorce, people that have been uh, violated deeply, uh, kids that have been adopted, many times they struggle with the spirit. And what the spirit does is as you get older in life, afraid of rejection that they will beat people to the punch. They're sure you're going to reject them, and so they reject you in advance. This happens in marriages oftentimes where people marry somebody. You're dating. People put their best foot forward in dating. Nobody knows what's going on. And then you get married, and all of a sudden that person uh, is treating you and rejecting you because they, they don't believe anybody would stay married to them. And so this becomes to be a real problem. This is related to insecurity and hatred. We could talk for a minute about Michael. You know, Michael was a messed up woman. I understand that. But you know, Michael had a messed up father to make her a messed up woman. And when you think about the fact that her father was going to give her to David to marry for purely political gain. Her genuine affection for David meant nothing to him. It was simply a political maneuvering. uh, And then when he said, okay, the dowry for this woman is going to be a hundred Philistine foreskins. I mean, that's, not, that's a fairly humiliating thing, you know what I mean? That this man, you know, what are you worth? You're worth a hundred foreskins. And so here's a woman that has uh, severe problems, and she takes her severe problems, and she puts them into a marriage. Let me just touch on this, because I don't have a lot of time this morning to talk to you about insecurity in a marriage. Oftentimes, marriage fights are rooted in insecurity and accusation and hatreds. And a lot of times, uh, particularly women that are bound by insecurity because of violations, and if I was a betting man, oftentimes violations with their own father, what happens uh, to these women a lot of times uh, is they take their frustrations and their insecurities about men and they project them onto the man in their life. There are women that are totally paranoid that their husbands are always out committing adultery. That he's always lusting. Some guys, you know, they can't walk through the mall, you know. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? You know, so this poor guy, you know, he walks like this everywhere he goes, you know. <laughs> I've sat down with women that are absolutely sure that their husband's cheating on them. And they will sit down and this guy's weeping, begging, saying, I am not, I have not. But this woman is so insecure and she's so fearful and fatherless. That what she has done is she is she's convinced this man will not stay with me and she brings this into the marriage uh, and uh, many times this is an issue behind some of the fights and I would suggest to you this morning that your insecurity problem will never be met by a man. That has to be met by God. And oftentimes uh, marriage problems are rooted in uh, we want our husbands to foster something in us that they can't. They don't have the capacity to. 
Their needs only can be met by God. Third reason is the most popular reason, and that is good old-fashioned selfishness. The main culprit of marriage fights is, is, is right here. When people get married, and even after they've been married for 30 years, you still have two wills, and wherever you have two wills, there's going to be conflict. Thunderstorms are created when cold fronts and warm fronts converge on each other. And whenever you have a, a convergence in nature, there's going to be sparks. So it is also true in marriage. Amen. What happens simply is we just don't want to yield our rights in marriage. You know what I mean? You can comply and comply, and after a while you start thinking, you know what, I always give in to him, and so it is selfishness that is the issue behind a lot of marriage problems and a lot of marriage fights, and when you think about some of the stupid things that people fight about, you say, well, I mean, is it really about that? You know, you're driving down the road when you're first married, you know, honey, where would you like to eat? Well, I don't care, wherever you want. Well, I don't care, wherever you want. No, that's up to you, it's okay. But, you know, after you've been married about a year, you know, hey, I'm going to stop you at McDonald's. Why do you have to go to McDonald's? Why can't you go to Burger King? You always go to McDonald's. What do you mean? I haven't been to McDonald's in a week. Remember last week we went to Sonic and then we went, and, 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 and the next day this huge fight over Burger King and McDonald's. Go to Walmart. Park right here. No, I'm going to park right here. I'm going to go down this. No, I says park right here, you know. No, no, I'm going to go. And so he, you know, he tries to park, you know, over here. And then somebody pulls it. I told you you should have parked right over there, you know. Well, but see, if we park right here, you know, this way, because I can go to this store over here. You know, you never do anything that I ask you to do, do you? And boom! And the kids are in the back going, drag, you know. I mean, is it really about a parking space? Or is it about the asserting of your will? What happens to people when they start battling with marriage fights, and this is for the freshman class here this morning, is that if you're not careful, after a few of these, you begin to arrive at a wrong conclusion. And that conclusion is, I made a mistake. I never should have done it. I should not have married that man, that woman. I didn't know this about them. I knew about Dr. Jekyll. I knew nothing about Mr. Hyde. And uh, this is, uh, people get upset and angry uh, and uh, they're panicky because they married somebody, uh, you know, who has some problems and uh, they're fighting and they're not getting along. Uh, and woe be to you uh, if uh, you can go to somebody, uh, uh, particularly your mother, and she says, I told you you should have never married that bum. You know, I always ask women, we're going, to marry, get, we're going to get married. Tell me about your relationship with your mother. Because the last thing you need when you're fighting is to be able to run to somebody who will tell you what you want to hear. You know, the old saying, behind every successful man is a good woman and a surprised mother-in-law. You know, there's, a, there's something true there. We start despairing of our situation. Hollywood loves to portray the stale marriage and the enticing affair, don't they? They love to portray that why go home to a war zone and then you go to work, you know, and there's some hot tamale, you know, working there and they, they respect you and they treat you nice. Amen. And this begins to assault you. Not only that, you start thinking you're the only couple in the church having problems. You have, you're fighting, you know. You're just having good old-fashioned fights. They happen, and you come to church, and the devil's like, man, look at you. you know, look at all these happy couples. 
In fact, I'd say that some of you right now, that's exactly what was going through your mind. You know, these happy couples and, and what's the matter with you? What's the matter with your marriage? There's so much conflict and strife and, and this isn't right and there's something wrong here and you made a mistake. Amen. Okay, let's move on. I want to talk to you about some rules for fighting. How many know fighting needs rules? You know, when you have boxing, you know, they don't just let them just start swinging, don't they? They bring them into the middle of the ring, and uh, they, 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 you know, okay, no hitting below the belt, three knockdowns. Is it considered a knockout? You can be saved by the bell. If the opponent falls to the ground, go to a neutral corner. And, you know, they lay these out. You know, sometimes, you know, when you're marrying people in the vows, I'm so tempted to do that, you know, just to, to give them some rules here. <laughs> See, think about it for a minute. The major obstacle in marriage, oftentimes marriage counseling, is that usually you're called into the counseling session after a fight. You know? call you, um, you're, you're not going to be able to deal with the fundamental issues of their marriage. What you're going to deal with is, why did you hit her and why did you tell him you hated him? That's usually what you end up dealing with, don't you? It's kind of like pulling a man over because he has a, 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 a broken brake light, you know, and your officer pulls him over and immediately he jumps out and begins running or goes on some high-speed chase somewhere and he turns a misdemeanor into a felony. And oftentimes that's what happens in a marriage uh, is that there are misdemeanors, there are minor violations uh, of uh, etiquette in your relationship and neglect that you have to deal with. But what happens by the time the pastor's called, it's a felony. Uh, there's been hitting, there's been horrible things said. Uh, and by the time you walk in, uh, there's broken sheetrock, lamps all over the place, uh, all kinds of things that have happened. You know, I've counseled marriages. They call me on the phone, and I'm not lying. You know, we work constantly with new converts, and they come from wild backgrounds. You know, and this the other day, this woman called me, and, you know, Pastor, you know, he got mad at me, and he, you know, this is, and so I'm trying to talk, I'm counseling pictures. I'm, you know, sister, you need to calm down. You know, God help your marriage. And I'm going through it. And then I heard talking and saying, uh, uh, well, okay, I think we're okay now. Everything will be fine. And I'm like, well, who are you talking to? Oh, I'm talking to the police officer. I'm counseling their marriage, man. There's a cop right there, you know. Just tell the cop to go home, you know? Because this is how people, this is what happens, is people usually don't get help until after the law is called. See, my aim here is not to try to get you never to fight. Fat chance. <laughs> but I simply want to give you some rules to fight by. And we're going to draw our advice from the Apostle Paul. And so I'm just going to touch on three that are important this morning. Number one, you need to be honest. The Bible says in verse 25, put away lying and speak the truth. One place where you should be able to be yourself is at home. All right? You cannot let it all hang out at church because we don't want to see it. We don't, uh, we, uh, you can't, you can't uh, let it all hang out on the job. But you know, the one place you ought to be able to let your hair down is at home. You ought to be able to go home and be who you are and have a, that degree of honesty. And it's very destructive when a home is filled with deception and dishonesty. You know, disagreements aren't necessarily bad. Being able to talk about problems in honest, genuine opinion in your marriage is not an evil thing. You know what is an evil thing? It's not saying anything until you explode. 
it's putting on a front uh, and, uh, and not really coming to deal with issues and deal with the reality. You know, marriage is nothing more than the purchase of a plot of ground. That's all you young couples. You young couples, listen to me. If I could speak to you for a minute. All, all it is, when you, got, when you got married, is all you were given was a deed, a title deed to a piece of property. And if you went out there, you know what you're going to find? Nothing but dirt. Now, in your life, you can just grow green grass. And, uh, and be satisfied with that. But when you look at a good marriage, mature marriage, you'll see these huge trees and all the fruitfulness of a good marriage. You can get that, but believe me, you're going to have to go dig in. You're going to have to deal with some rocks and things that are that de- de- um, deep down in your relationships and your personalities. And you're going to have to deal with them. You're going to come across things, and then you're going to have to take them and remove them and continue to till the ground until you begin to get some good fruit out of your marriage and your relationship that you know you're going to have conflicts and you need to be honest about that hey you know what we're not getting along or i don't like this the trouble a lot of times is people don't say anything they don't say anything and then they say i can't take it anymore can't take what what i haven't told you about the last six months it's really tragic when couples function like this i remember reading an old story about a a uh, man and a woman that every spring uh, or whenever harvest time would come, they would pickle beets. And they did this, you know, and every year that they, they would do this. And uh, <clears throat> finally the, the, the old woman died and the following a year came around season. And the daughter said to her father, Dad, I'll, uh, uh, you know, uh, pickle these beets with you since mom is gone. And he said, you know, honey, I hate pickling beets. hate it all the time. The only reason I did it is because your mother loved to do it. And she said, you know, that's funny, Dad, because 20 years ago, Mom told me she hated to pickle beets, and she only did it because you did it. <laughs> what a tragedy that a lot of times people will not just simply be honest in their relationship. Now, this can be worse. I'm talking about things like hiding money from each other. I said hiding money from each other. And, you know, I mean, that's cool if you're squirreling away money because you want to buy your wife something nice for valentine's but you know you don't need twenty five thousand dollars to do that (laughs) your marriage becomes a series of white lies and exaggerations how many times have i had people say to me pastor if he would just be honest with me and you know in his mind you know if i tell my wife that uh, that uh, I, I i i you know i i did this uh, she'll blow up and so he lies to her and then her big complaint is i could have handled that he may have disappointed me somewhere but i hate the lying it's very destabilizing to a marriage if that is true remember your spouse is also your fellow brother or sister in christ and if you're going to have conflict you need to be honest Secondly, you need to be under control. The Bible says in verse 26, Be angry and sin not. Anger is a valid emotion this morning. You'll find that there are times that you are going to be mad at the person you love. Amen. Ruth Graham, many of you know, was asked if she ever thought of leaving her husband Billy, and she said, Leaving him, no. Killing him, yes. (laughs) How many women can identify with this? A woman wrote a note to her husband after they had a big fight, and she said, Dear honey, I hate you. Love your wife. <laughs> there's, no, there's no contradiction there. You can be mad at the one you love. Not only that, anger is not a sin. Anger is not a sin, but anger can bring you to the threshold of sin. 
even Cain, with all of his foul attitude, uh, had not sinned yet. That, you know what, you can function under anger uh, and have a passion about what you believe and disappointment or frustration in your marriage. But the problem is that people, they equate anger with temper and losing control. They get mad, and I mean, there are people, they're the nicest people in the world until they get mad. And when they get mad, it's like uh, they black out and they'll say things and they'll do things that it's like hard to believe they would do. And when you begin to pin them to the wall about it, their response is, she made me mad. It's her fault. She made me mad. She pressed my buttons. Uh, and, and that's what it is. And so you have these people, you know, they, they don't know what it is to have a, a conversation. Or maybe their husband or their wife disappoints them and, they, and they're angry. That's cool. I, I, you know, you can live with that. That's the reality of marriage. But that doesn't justify the fact that you jump over the threshold and, and you become abusive and all of a sudden you're violent and angry and you're hitting uh, or you're saying unbelievably cruel things to each other. Amen. And you're doing all that and your justification is, well, they made me mad. Amen. The Bible says a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. You know what that means? It means that you can say and do things in a marriage that so offend your spouse that it's very hard to reapproach them. Because you got mad and you had a big fight and you said stuff you shouldn't have said and, and, and now you're trying to win them back. But you know what? It's your fault. You offended them. You offended their sensibilities uh, and now there you are trying really hard. A virtuous woman to crown her husband but she that makes ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. And so now we hear a picture of a woman who becomes so angry that she begins to do and say things uh, that just consume the life out of her husband all because... She's mad. Every wise woman builds her house, the Bible says. The foolish plucks it down <coughs> with her hands. You need to be under control. You need to be able to have a fight without losing it. Amen. You, you be able to, to <coughs> disagree without going over the top. And every time, all of a sudden, you're like that old TV show, David Banner. You just, you know, the, the Incredible Hulk, you know, your shirt rips and you turn green. And, 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 you, and, and you move in slow motion. You know, and you don't have to do that. <laughs> and, you know, it's not just men that have a bad temper, I might add. <laughs> you, know, you know, sometimes women, you know, they, you know, Go ahead, you want to hit me? Go ahead, hit me! He hit me! He hit me! I can't believe he hit me. My little, I have a 10-year-old boy and a 7-year-old girl, and the 7-year-old girl comes to me crying, Daddy, Marcus hit me. Why did he hit you? Well, I kicked him and he hit me. You know, uh, you know. listen. You've got to exercise some self-control here. And if you need to be able to get it, have anger and do that. Let me just throw in a couple of thoughts here. You know what? Don't let every argument end with that's it, okay, we'll get a divorce. How many know the D word should not be said in your, in your marriage? The other D word, divorce. And you know what happens to people <coughs> is, 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 you know, every time they get in a fight, you know what I mean, and it starts and all of a sudden, all right, all right, here's the ring, here's the ring, here, go ahead, take the ring. Take the ring. You got the ring. Go ahead. Take the ring. That's what I think about our marriage. And then, you know, at night, there are the flashlights, you know. 
Did you see it yet? No, not seen it yet. <laughs> Somebody drives by. Hey, what are you guys doing? Ah, oh, we're checking for the ants, you know. And... <laughs> Do you know what? Some people get such a bad habit that every time they fight, you know, divorce. I get it. So funny. You get these young couples call you pastor. We're going to get a divorce. It's... You should not even mention the word. It should not even be in your vocabulary. You know what I mean? And all that is is your own lack of self-control. That you somehow you and your husband or wife just can't have a disagreement and share some emotions and, and, and let, that, let, let, let it be it. It has to do That's it. I'm leaving you. I can't take this anymore. You'd be surprised what you can take. Okay, I need to hurry up. Time. Third thing about your fight is you need to time it. In boxing, it's three minutes per round. <laughs> Verse 26, do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. I know all the commentators, you know, and they, you know, some say don't ever stop being mad at sin, don't ever stop being mad at the devil, and on and on and on. I don't really believe what he's saying is that because he's not talking about the devil right here. He's talking about conflict among brethren. And what he's saying right there is that there needs to be a resolution before the day ends. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. He is saying, don't stay mad. Don't, uh, you know, you know, I need to hurry here. Let me get a couple of things. One, you know, some people, as soon as your husband or wife offends you, they know that you're going to, that's seven days, just like that. Seven days suspension, just like that. And, uh, and, and that's what it is. They have no hope that you're going to stop and say, no, I'm not going to do that this time. And honey, you know what? I forgive you. Some marriages, I mean, the moment the, the flag flies and the personal foul and, they, and, 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 it's, and it's, it's, you know, mark off seven days, seven days, they're going to be mad. You're not going to talk to them. There'll be no sex. It'll be, it'll be, it's, it, it's it. Praise the Lord. Amen. I, I, I felt that one. And uh, <laughs> you know why? Because you let your son go down seven times upon your wrath. Because you don't understand that marriage has to, marriage conflicts have to reach a, rev, a resolution. And so people don't know how to fight within limits. Of, and, and so they have such horrible timing for their fights. Whether they don't, whether they don't want to resolve them and, you know, go to bed at night. And, uh, you, know, you know, maybe, you know, a good, a good habit to get into in your marriage is pray with each other. You know, you know you, you, it's, it's not hokey. To be able to get in a habit that every night, you, when you go to bed, you kiss your wife goodnight and you take hands and say, let's pray or is there something you want to pray about? You know, on the good times, that's fine. But you know, the bad times is when you really need that. Because you're introducing the third chord of the fold there into the marriage God and you're forcing each other to have to deal with God in your marriage again. And God says, listen, don't offer your gift to the altar if you're in conflict with somebody. And he deals with you, and so you need to have time, bring this to re resolution. But you know, it's really sad that some people, their timing is all wrong when it comes to marriage. Have you ever been around a couple that's having a fight? They invite you for dinner, and you're sitting there eating, and, you know, and you're, you're trying to, oh, it's good food, can I have salt? And uh, you're just trying to hurry up and get out of there, and they, just, they don't even respect that there are people watching. One time my wife and I were in an airport and uh, we were uh, traveling back from Phoenix to Albuquerque years ago and there was this couple that was walking with us 
And the husband said to me, hey, uh, or no, what he did, he said to his wife, he said, hey, why don't you sit with Yolanda on the plane and I'll sit with Richard? And I mean, right, yeah, this is Sky Harbor, man. This gal peeled this man up one side and down the other. I mean, I, I'll never forget the image uh, because she was a little bit bigger than him. And she started, just, you're not going to do this to me. I'm tired of you. You're humiliating. And the whole time he kept doing this. Every, every inflection of her voice. And I mean, I, my, my wife and I, dear God, you know, we're getting out of here. I remember this vision. The whole, like, it was like the parting of the Red Sea. All the crowd in the Phoenix airport just parted. Some people pick fights. <clears throat> Some wives pick fights right before their husband has to go minister. Right before he's going to play in the music scene, you know, or preach. They wait, you know, he's getting ready to go and all that. Ready and, you know, she's ticked. But she doesn't say nothing, man. She waits about, she waits, times it. He's getting ready to go. Just as he's reaching for his Bible. Oh, you're going to take off right now, huh? You know, what's the matter? Nothing. You wonder how many men have gone up to preach a door scene bleeding because their wife just waited to the right moment to drop that grenade. Men do this too. You know, their wives are going to go out with some of the sisters. Maybe it's a shower. Who knows? What, they're going out with some of the girls. They planned it, prepared, you know. And the guy, he just don't like his wife going out without him. So he just waits and waits and waits and she's all ready to go and she's everything's taken care of. The kids are there and she's going to leave. Okay, honey, I'm leaving. Okay, go ahead. Go. Get out of here. Go. Go have a good time with your sisters. All right, go ahead, man. He says, well, honey, what's the matter? Oh, nothing. I'll, I'll make myself something to eat. What do you mean? I, I prepared Chateaubriand. Look at this right there, you know. And, uh, you know, okay, you know go ahead, man. You, and, and just put a funk on her and she goes out and she feels all guilty and vexed. Shame, shame. That's called poor timing. Why bring it up, man, if there's no arena to deal with it? Why bring it up? Why bring it up right as he walks out the door in the morning, right as she's on her way to do something, and then you drop it on them so that they can stew in it for hours? That's exactly why you did it. It's called maximum damage. You wanted to hurt them, man. You wanted them to be ruined. You wanted to ruin their night. You wanted them to feel bad. You wanted them to feel sorry for you. All right. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. It simply means seek a resolution. Two things I'm going to finish off with here and will end when it comes to marriage fights. Number one, <coughs> this is easy, folks. Verse 32 says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. You know what? In your marriage, you're going to have to constantly learn to forgive. Can you say amen? You're going to have to constantly learn to forgive, and, and that's it. There's no, no great revelation there, but it's the painful truth that that's the reality of marriage. Marriage is a commitment to forgive. This person is going to hurt you. Nobody can hurt you like the person you're married to. You have exposed more of your heart to them than to anybody else. That means that they have the greatest capacity to hurt you, and that means the smallest thing uh, can hurt you, and you're going to have to constantly be brought to the reality of forgiveness. 
How many times have I had people say to me the words, Pastor, he'll never admit he's wrong or he will never say I'm sorry. You know what I mean? There's there some men, especially men are bad here, they'll never admit they're wrong. Well, I'm never wrong. And you don't know how to say you're sorry. And you don't know how to just simply say I forgive you and let things go. And it constantly is recurring, constantly being regurgitated, and on and on and on. I want to tell you, if you want to heal the marriage conflict, it's always going to come back to this right here. Have you ever heard the story about the, uh, the man that was going through his midlife crisis? Maybe I shouldn't say it that way. But he's in his 40s, and he goes out and he buys a 65 Mustang. And he gets the thing painted beautiful, loves it, babies that car, proud of it. <clears throat> he's at work one day, and his wife has to go somewhere, her car's not working, and so she says, I'm going to just take the Mustang. Takes it, gets in a wreck. Not to say that women are bad drivers or anything, but she, in this story, she gets in a wreck, and, uh, and she just totally smashes this guy's idol. I mean, just totally smashes, and she says, oh my God, he's going to kill me. The police come, everybody comes, you know, and she's so scared, and he asks for the insurance, and he reach, she reaches in the glove box, pulls out the insurance papers, and there, attached to the insurance paper, is a little note. And it says, to my wife, in case you ever borrow my car and wreck it, remember, I married you, not the car. I know I just ticked off some wives right now, you know. I said, my husband, he'd kill me, you know. You know what? In your marriage, there are going to be some wrecks. In your marriage, your husband or your wife is going to smash some things up. And you're going to have to say, I married you. And that means I can forgive you. Amen. One other thing I wanted you to consider is the power of agreement. Can two walk together except they be agreed, Amos says. <coughs> you know what would really help in your marriage is if you guys could contend for some agreement in your relationship. Amen. Tragically, this ha doesn't happen to many people. Listen, if you and your wife were in bed at night and you heard somebody like breaking down the door or there was an intruder in your home, you know, at that moment, you and your wife would jump up and you would be in full agreement and everything you would be would be to attack that intrusion and that intruder. You know, oftentimes I believe that the devil functions as an intruder into the home but couples, rather than partner together against that, they turn on each other and they make their spouse the adversary and the enemy and the one who stands between you and happiness. I want to tell you tonight, that's a life, or today, that's a life from hell. And what would really make a difference is to say, you know what, we've got to agree together and partner against the intrusions of the world and of the devil, the intrusions of the flesh. You know, you're going to have your problems. You're going to have your fights. If we were honest, we could have people stand and testify. Name your biggest fight that you've ever... You know, we could... And, and believe me, man, it would shock you. But the reality is, you know what? That's what the miracle of marriage is all about. It's about men and women with all their problems and all their disagreements saying, above it all, rising above it all, is our commitment to one another. Amen. Let's stand together. And I'm going to turn it all back over to the pastor, but I just want to... Uh, and this session this morning and uh, this is just some basic simple thoughts pertaining to a, something that every couple goes through how you deal with conflict I would say this 
if you've got conflict presently in your marriage, you know what God's Word says that you need to be able to have that conflict <clears throat> with, with control and with limitation. Saying, you know what, God's pointing me to resolution because every couple knows that the best thing about a marriage fight is making up. It's a powerful thing when you're able to look at each other in all your disputes and conflicts and say, you know what, I go above that. I forgive you and I love you and I want this to work. Let's just praise God together this morning. Pastor Lamb, you can come. Father, we love you. We thank you.